Thank you, Scott, for sharing that very familiar story from John's version of Easter. Today, I want us to imagine Easter, to imagine all that this day is about, resurrection, eternal life, Easter. William Sangster was one of the great preachers of the 20th century. And toward the end of his life, he became quite ill. His vocal cords were paralyzed and he was unable to speak. So on Easter Sunday morning, a few days before he died, he penned these poignant words to his daughter. He said, How terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout, He is risen. But it is far worse to have a voice and not want to shout. Now, I trust that you're here this morning because you want to shout, right? You want to shout? Let's, sh let's try it. He is, risen. he is risen. That's pretty good. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Y'all sound great this morning. Today I want us to think in terms of imagining Easter and I want us to first think in terms of imagining that first Easter. Now, don't we love this passage as it unfolds for us? You know, this morning we were at the, uh, the earliest service of this day, uh, not the one last night. The Heart of Africa had a revival from Friday until last night, actually ended this morning. And this morning we gathered in the garden for the youth to lead us in a service. And I found myself imagining uh, this story again about how Mary Magdalene, she was making her way to the tomb. And no doubt we imagine her to be heartbroken and weary from her crying, perhaps her eyes all puffy because she's cried all night the loss of this one whom she loved so. And we can just imagine how alarmed she was as she approached this, this tomb that they'd seen just um, a few hours before, really days before, when they'd placed Jesus' body in that tomb and they'd prepared his body as hurriedly as they could and there was work yet to be done. And yet when she approaches in the dark and in the shadows of that morning, she can see that the stone had been rolled away. And she peered inside and it was empty. And so she assumed the very worst. And she ran back to tell the disciples that they've stolen his body. They've taken his body away. Who could do such a thing? And the disciples ran to the tomb, Peter and John. And they, they look in and they too find the tomb empty and the grave cloth still in place there. And, and so they go on back to the disciples and Mary's there at the tomb. She continues to weep. Can't you just imagine it? Can't you get in touch with her heartbrokenness? Haven't we been there before, each of us? And, and then, then we have this scene as she's standing there still grieving the loss of Jesus and the, supposedly the gardener calls out her name in a voice that she recognizes in the way that only one could say it, Mary. 
and she knows that it's Jesus and he's alive. And so now she's hurrying back uh, to the disciples and this time she's, she's running and she's laughing and she's crying and she, she can't hardly contain her emotions and she finally reaches the disciples and she shouts, he is risen, he is risen, he is risen. Can't you imagine it? And yet we know that what what Easter is about, imagining Easter, what this is all about is not just remembering or imagining an event that took place at one point in time, nearly 2,000 years ago that literally turned the world upside down as people couldn't contain uh, themselves as they shared the good news that Jesus is risen and they shared it and shared it and, and the world heard the good news. But it's not just about that event. Easter is about what happens now in our lives. How God can transform the emptiness of our lives, the defeats that we experience, the heartaches that we have, and can transform them into life. We can only imagine today the heartache in Sri Lanka hundreds of people who gathered for worship on Easter Sunday are dead and many, many more hurt. How many of us grieved this past week as we saw a beautiful Notre Dame cathedral go up in flames and we could believe the pictures that we saw? And many of you have seen it in person and you, you know the, the beautiful uh, sacred space and that high altar with that resurrection cross that is lifted up that, that we can see and it's not just like a, um, a Catholic crucifix. It's a, it's a resurrection cross. It stands so glorious. And, and then we saw the flames that tumbled the roof and the spire and, and yet at the end of the day when the rubble was left and the ashes still hot we saw emerging from those ruins what? And perhaps there's never been a resurrection message like the one that we hear in seeing the cross of Christ the resurrection cross in seeing it amidst the rubble and we're reminded that resurrection is about the now and God coming beside us in the midst of our tragedies in life, in the midst of our joys in life. In all that we experience, we imagine Easter about a God who is with us. You know, as is my tradition for several years, I... I wear this stole on Easter and also on Christmas Eve. It was my mentor's stole. This was Bill Henson's stole. And Bill Henson, uh, I, I remember the night that he, 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 he put this stole around my neck. I'd gone to Houston to hear his retirement sermon at the Texas Annual Conference. And I had to fly back right after that, but I stayed in line long enough to shake his hand. And when I shook his hand, he, he just took his stole off and he put it on, on my neck. 
And, and today I, I, I'm reading from his Bible. It's got his name on the front. And I was reading that his wonderful uh, wife, Jean, had given Bill this, this Bible on Christmas in 1989. And she said, with gratitude for the years behind and the joyful anticipation of the years ahead. You know, you know, when Bill died in 2004, I, I wanted so much to um, deal with my own grief, so I decided to write a book about him, and, and uh, I wanted to also honor his memory. I remember going to Gene and saying, Gene, I, I, I heard Bill say that he was writing a book and she said he was, and he was calling it Green Mountain Reflections. And they had moved to North Alabama in the Green Mountains, and he was writing these stories. Many of them I'd heard in sermons before, and it was a collection of vintage Bill Henson. And I just loved it, and I read through it. And this week I, I read through a few of those stories again. And, and I remembered and read one of his favorites. It was about his youngest daughter, Kathy. Kathy had a, a kitten that died, and she was just heartbroken. And, and Bill was writing about how she was inconsolable. And, and he said, so he decided that he said, now, Kathy, you know, we're all sad about um, your little kitten, but, but I, I want you to have another pet. And, and so we're going to go and, and get you another pet. And they went to the pet store, and, and, um, and Kathy chose this little peek-a-poo puppy. And, and, and he had a little waggy tail, and Bill said he didn't know quite what to do with it. It looked like a little white powder puff, and, and, and she was so excited about him. And, and, and because he wagged his tail and Bill told him that that's what little puppies do when they're happy, she named him Happy. And so they went home, and Bill wrote about how he grew up on a farm, and he only knew bird dogs, and uh, bird dogs needs and he said he expected that little dog needed the dog house too so even with his limited carpenter skills he built a little happy a big dog house he said it was uh, really a nice size dog house he thought it looked more like a mansion for the little dog but the little dog cared nothing about it at all in fact happy was absolutely terrified by that cavernous dog house Bill said as soon as they were through, they tried to get Happy to go in the doghouse. The dog wouldn't go in the doghouse, and, 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 and Kathy was crying, and Bill was frustrated, and Bill said he finally just pushed the dog in the doghouse and just held the dog there, and she was crying and whimpering, and, 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 and finally he gave up, and she darted out of that doghouse. Little heart was beating as fast as its tail was now again wagging that she was free. Bill writes that he was so frustrated he just went in the house and got a glass of tea and sat at the kitchen table with Jean and left Kathy in the yard with Happy. Kathy was crying and little Happy was just wanting attention. So after a while, Bill looked out the window and, and, and there was Kathy and Happy and they were playing in the yard and they were having such a, a great time it seemed, both of them just jumping up and down and and, and then he said he noticed that Kathy got on her all fours and she crawled into that doghouse. And there went Happy right behind her. 
And, and Bill called Jean's attention to it, and, and, and they both delighted. But, but Kathy didn't come out of the doghouse, and neither did Happy. So Bill said after a while, he decided he'd go into the backyard, and he peeked in that big door of that big doghouse, and there was Kathy sound asleep. And guess what? Happy was taking a nap right there beside her. And, and then Bill wrote this. Someone who loved that little dog, whom he loved and trusted, had preceded him into the dark and scary place, and he was no longer afraid. All of the dread was taken out of his darkness and all of the teeth had been pulled from his terror. And then Bill said, when Jesus said that he was going before us in death, into heaven, into all of the Galilees of our lives, all of our frightening shadows stood still. Today we imagine how Jesus Christ comes into our lives. How Easter is about us imagining Jesus with us in spirit. No matter what the circumstance we're in, no, no matter how, how full of fear the doghouse might be, no matter how challenging life may present itself, Easter is about knowing that God is with us no matter what? The Apostle Paul knew the risen Lord, but he never knew Jesus in the flesh. He, he's like us in that regard. Even though he was a contemporary of Jesus, even though he lived in the same time period, he never met Jesus until he was on that Damascus road. And, and Jesus appeared to him in spirit and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's name was changed and his life was transformed and he spent the rest of his life not persecuting the church but spreading the good news of the risen Lord whom he'd met. And he, it was undeniable to him. He, he was one who knew uh, the Lord who came to him and who was very present with him. But he also wrote this in, the second, in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the first verse. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. You know, I've also been thinking about another associate pastor here at Lover's Lane this past week, Dudley Dancer. Many of you may remember Dudley. He was here for 15 years or more, and he's been gone for a dozen. But I remember my very first Easter here. Actually, it was Palm Sunday, my very first Sunday. And Dudley Dancer met me. He had retired as I was coming in, but we told Dudley, you can't quit. You can retire, but you can't quit. We need you here on staff. You know how Methodist preachers do it. 
And so he was here, thank goodness, because he did most of the hospital visitation in that day. He, he, he did uh, uh, a lot of our funerals, and he was just so, so very valuable as a pastor on this staff. But he told me, he said, Stan, besides the fact that we need you to ride the donkey into church on Palm Sunday, <laughs> he said, uh, you need to know that we have worship services Every day, morning, noon, night, morning, noon, night, morning, noon, night during Holy Week, morning, noon, night. And at, at the, the end of Sunday, Easter Sunday, you're going to be worn out. And he said, we respectfully call Holy Week around here. I'm not going to tell you what he said if we call it. <laughs> you know, Dudley had Parkinson's disease that advanced so very rapidly. He went downhill pretty quickly. He quit driving, of course, and, and we had an associate pastor assigned to Dudley to take him to the hospitals to visit. He continued to work. The very last day he worked here at Lover's Lane, he went to a nursing facility. But I, I remember, uh, you know, Dudley, he would hold uh, funeral services and he really couldn't put a complete sentence together. And and I remember uh, we had to tell people, you know, Dudley's no longer doing, doing funerals or memorial services. I remember telling one woman that Dudley can't do memorial services, that he's having a hard time speaking. And she said, I don't care. I just want him there. And that was the sentiment of a lot of people. So I told Dudley, I said, you let the associate pastor take you to the hospital and you, you let the associate pastor do the talking. You don't need to do the talking. Let the associate pastor pray. You don't need to pray. Your walking in the room represents to so many the, 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 the resurrection and the living presence of our Lord. You have a ministry of presence. But you know, one of the greatest tributes, I think, to Dudley was a letter that, that Tom and Denise Rachel wrote to me and I shared at Dudley's memorial service. And you know, we think about people who've outrun us to heaven, don't we, on this day? The letter said this, it was about their son Sam who was born with a severe heart defect and we didn't know if he was going to make it one day to the next. During Sam's long hospital stay, one thing that stands out is what happened when Sam was on the ECMO machine for 13 of the 60 days that he was at Children's Hospital. The ECMO, which is a heart and lung machine, flowed the blood throughout Sam's body because his heart was too small to work on its own. And for 13 afternoons at 430 they came and did a brain scan to check for bleeding in Sam's brain and we all knew what the consequences were if there was bleeding. The brain scan took about 45 minutes to complete. So for 13 days, Dudley seemed to always be there with us or if he wasn't there, he'd call it 5.15 to make sure everything was okay. And on the days when he wasn't there, he'd grab Sam's little left foot, which was the only part of his little body that didn't have some monitor connected to it, and, and Dudley would pray for Sam. 
one of his glorious prayers for his new little friend. Dudley's special prayer, his kind, warm heart, his smiling eyes, his funny little sayings, got all of us through those torturous 45 minutes each day. We often speak of angels looking down upon us from heaven. It was good to know that Sam was one and will always have a special angel looking over him the rest of his life. Thank you, Dudley. You know what? Sam turned 18 years old this year. Sam is an usher. Sam's in worship every Sunday. Sam, you hold on. I'm going to let them see you in a minute. I remember on, on everybody's Christmas, which was right before Christmas this past year, we, we had uh, all of the homeless people here and a lot of former offenders who were here with their families. And, and, and after the, the banquet, we gathered here with the former offenders and their families, and they were seated right here, all the way back nearly to the back. And after we'd had Holy Communion, Sam was called on, and he, he stood right here. And he sang a song that he had memorized by heart. And it, it was really not a, um, as much a Christmas song as it was an Easter song. But I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye when Sam got finished and he put on quite a performance. And, and after everybody had come and thanked Sam, I, I said, Sam, on Easter Sunday coming up, I want you to sing that song to Lover's Lane. And he said, Okay. I said, do you think you can do it? Yeah. Do you want to do it? Yeah. And so, here's 18-year-old Sam. Hey, Sam. Yeah. Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. It is, and I want this congregation to hear that great Easter song I can only imagine. And nobody sings it like you do. Will you sing it for us? Yeah. I know the congregation wants to hear it. And this song is by Mercy Me. By Mercy Me. Thank you. I can only imagine It will be the life When I walk By your side I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine I can only imagine surrounded by your glory what will my heart feel will I stand for you Jesus or in all of you be still Will I dance in your presence To my knees will I fall Will I sing hallelujah Will I be able to speak at all I can only imagine I can only imagine I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself 
standing in the sun I can only imagine When all I would do Is forever Forever worship you I can only imagine, yeah I can only imagine by your glory what will my heart feel will I dance for you Jesus or in all of you be still will I stand in your presence to my knees will I fall will I sing hallelujah will I be able to speak at all I can only I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. All right. Thank you, Sam. Happy Easter. Thank you. Sam. <laughs> Sam. Somebody said this was the best Easter sermon I've ever preached because you were the closer. <laughs> Thank you for singing, Sam. We love you. While you're imagining Easter, it's all about imagining what took place years and years ago that brings us to this place. But it's about us knowing that there's nothing we face, nothing, even not knowing if your little boy was going to make it, or whatever the big old scary doghouse of your life is. Our God is with us. He's with us here. And God is with us when our time here is done. Happy Easter. <laughs>